0: Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. Super Bowl Sunday, what has become a national, kind of a national holiday unofficially. Um, game time, if you're interested, is about to start, if you don't care. Great time to go shopping. There won't be very many people there, probably. A good time to m- make the most of uh, that opportunity. Uh, we are smack dab in the middle of a message series where we're looking at time. And we're talking about how to make the most of it. We're digging into the scripture to find out what God says about that. The first week, in part one, we looked at your days are numbered and found out that learning to count our days brings a heart of wisdom. It's very important. We, we dug into Psalm 90, which is a prayer of uh, Moses. It was written by Moses, and we learned why it's important to pray what he did in that prayer at the end, uh, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We don't naturally do that. We need need God's help uh, in getting the right perspective on time, but the right perspective on the number of days we have is crucial for making the most of our time. We, We really need that. So we, we dug into that, found out at the beginning of, of Moses' prayer. We looked at how he gave us just the, the broad picture of life and how in the scope of who God is, he's from everlasting to everlasting. He, he has existed on into the unlimited past through the unlimited future. He, he always has been, he always is, always will be. And in, in light of that, in light of who God is and what he's doing generation to generation, we, we discovered that in the broad scope of those things, we don't live long enough to be the main characters in the story. And, and when we make it about us, life really doesn't have much meaning. So we find meaning right now today as we learn... Uh, what God wants, and we play the role in history that God's given us to play. We, we, we do what he wants us to in our generation. Part two, last week, we looked at uh, at capacity, was what it was called. The, the key to getting more done is to do things in the right priority. We live busy lives. It's easy to get overwhelmed. It's, it's easy to just be buried in possibilities, and then interruptions come and can be frustrating. Uh, But but the core of what we looked at is how priority determines our capacity to do things. You and I are going to do what we put first. What we're going to do, what we decide is the most important thing to do at any given moment in time. And if we put the things that really matter into our schedule first, we're going to get more things done that really matter, the important things. Now, God adds a promise to this. We looked at that. If we seek Him first, then He's going to help us focus on the most important and then ignore what really doesn't matter. He's going to help us with that. And He'll he'll help us increase our capacity uh, to accomplish what's important. Today, we're going to look at a law that God has built into the way life works and how We should view our time because of that law. If we understand it and use this perspective to our advantage, then we can compound our time like we compound our financial investments. Back when I was in graduate school, uh, they had a a mandatory session where the guy from the uh, annuity, the uh, retirement group, came by and encouraged us to put in just $25 a month and I was about 25 or 26 at the time. And he said that if I put in $25 a month, uh, by the time I'm 65, I will have an inc- you know, just a lot more than if I started, if I waited until I was about 40, tons more. I mean, you could quadruple that figure. I, I know this by experience because I didn't do it. Okay. I thought, I'm 25, I've got time, why would I bother to do that, you know? So I didn't do it. And I started when I was in my early 40s. So I'm, I'm now looking at the reality of how $25 a month in is way more than four or five times now, by the time. Because money compounds when you put it into an account that, that is interest-bearing, that's, that's compounding the interest. We can do that with our time. That's actually what happens with our time. And we see this in the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest is in effect. In our lives, God has written what someone called unbreakable laws into life. He's He's built them into the way life works, and you discover many of these. You discover these unbreakable laws as you get into the Bible. You they come to the surface, and you find out what He says about living life. And these have been called unbreakable because if you try to break them, you get broken. You you break yourself against them. They're just a part of reality that we need to consider as we use our resources to live life. You, you can't bend these laws. They're written in. And you find one of these in Galatians 6. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You're not going to be able to make fun of him in this area. Don't, don't fool yourself. You, you, you're not going to be able to laugh at how God has done this. A man reaps what he sows." The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit, will reap eternal life. Now, to sow, I looked it up in the dictionary just to make sure. Sometimes, you know, when you're talking in front of a group of people, you've got to check yourself. Now, we all know what it means to sow, but it means to plant seed. That's what it means, to plant seed or to scatter seed in the hopes that some of the seed will take root and bear fruit that you can enjoy. That's, that's what it means to sow. Today, we're applying this law to using small segments of our time. The way we use our time, these segments of time, in planting seeds that we will harvest in the future. This, this is the law. The law is we reap what we sow. There's no way around this. This is a law like gravity that we should factor into the way that we live and handle our time. God's built it in to life. We can't get around it. We can't fool him. We can't get one over on him. This is God's way of governing the world. And here's the first thing it means. We reap in proportion to what is sown. You sow a little, you reap a little. Sow a lot, you reap a lot. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You can't sow a little and reap a lot. If you spend a little time building a relationship, you can't expect a fantastic relationship as a result. If, if you work just a little, you shouldn't expect to see a ton of progress in your goals. If, if you just spend a little time focused on exercise, your health's not going to improve very much. It'll improve in proportion. If a little time is invested in your spiritual growth, there won't be a big difference in your understanding of God and how he operates the universe that he's made. Another implication of the law is we reap what we sow, good or bad. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. In other words, the things you plant today, you're going to eat tomorrow, sweet or sour. Whatever you're planting today, you're going to harvest in the future. And so it's important to think through what we're giving our time to, how we're using these small amounts of time. In this verse, there are two options for using our time. We can sow to please the sinful nature. And that just means our sinful nature is the tendency to want to please ourselves. So we can sow to please ourselves, uh, aiming to accomplish what we want, our own selfish desires and goals. And you reap destruction. If you use your time, if you use the little segments of time to please yourself, you're going to end up reaping destruction. Uh, one guy said that you reap a harvest that will fade into oblivion. Actually, you, you invest in yourself, and poof, what you think you're going to get goes away like a mirage. When you try to get your hands around it, squeeze it, it just—it's just not there. In fact, not only will it fade, not only will it fade, but it starts to sour and spoil. Your life does. When you live for yourself, life begins to rot, and it stinks. That's that's the idea here. Second option is to sow to please the Spirit, uh, which means that we're going to use our time to please God's Spirit, doing His will and aiming to accomplish His goals. Uh, when you do that, you reap eternal life. And And this isn't just a reference to when we die, we go to heaven. That's not... The, the gist of eternal life in the New Testament. It means that. It means that we're going to live forever if we turn around and commit our lives to follow Christ, accept Him for who He is, admit you know, what we've done in rebellion to Him. We're going to experience, we're going to be given eternal life, but there's more than that. If, if you sow to the Spirit with your time, you're going to experience an eternal quality of life right now. You're, you're going to experience a different quality of life. That eternal life that you get that's secure in the future will begin to invade your present. And you'll begin to experience it. You're, you're going to live for... Because you're living for eternal things. If you keep that perspective and you sow to please the Spirit, you're living for things that go on and on and on. And it shapes the way you do life and what you experience. You get a taste of heaven right now. And you begin to enjoy the things that God intends for us uh, later on in eternity. I, I put a, a little booklet in your program. It looks like this. I'd like to ask you to take that out. And I know you can read this on your own, but I, I'd like to read the highlights together. This this booklet is a very good summary of the basic message of Christianity. And it's, it helps us to clarify what Paul's talking about here, what God's talking about when he says, so to please the sinful nature and so to please the spirit. So um, I'd like to ask you to just read through it with me. On the inside of the, the cover, the page on the right there, it says, the message at the heart of Christianity is really quite simple. Simple enough to be outlined in a few pages. It is a message from the Bible about God and his son Jesus. It is about life and death and the choice that we all face. And it all starts with a loving creator God. Look at the next page. It's green. It's got a number one and on the left, top left. God is the loving ruler of the world. He made the world. He made us rulers of the world under him. You may not have known that, but in Scripture you find out God made the world. He made us rulers. He put men and women, he put people in charge of managing the world, the earth. We're, we're the rulers. We, we have a distinctive place. We're above the animals. We're above the creation in God's eyes, and he wants us to, to, to manage it, our lives and the world. But is that the way it is now? It's a good question. Look at two. We all reject the ruler, God, by trying to run life our own way without him. But we fail to rule ourselves or society Or the world? We've all gone our own way and live life independent of him. What will God do? You see at the bottom of that purple page, what will God do about this rebellion? Point three, God won't let us rebel forever. God's punishment for rebellion is death and judgment. But God's justice sounds hard, it says at the bottom. Point four on the next page, because of his love, God sent his son into the world, the man Jesus Christ. Jesus always lived under God's rule. Yet by dying in our place, he took our punishment and brought forgiveness. Now this is what you find out about God as you get into the Bible. He is judge. Because of who he is, he's holy. And he can't just let sin go. It has to be judged, this rebellion. He can't just let it go. But, He, in the person of Jesus Christ, stepped onto the earth and took the judgment on himself because he loves the people that he's made. That's what God has done. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. But that's not all. Look at point five. God raised Jesus to life again as the ruler of the world. Jesus has conquered death, now gives new life, and will return to judge. Well, where does that leave us? Point six On the blue page, the two ways to live. First of all, our way, reject the ruler, God, try to run life our own way. The result, uh, this is what you reap, condemned by God, facing death and judgment. B, God's new way, submit to Jesus as our ruler, rely on Jesus' death and resurrection, and the result, forgiven by God, given eternal life. This is the picture that Paul's painting in Galatians 6. There are basically two things, two ways to invest your time and your life. Sowing to please your sinful nature, to please yourself, or living God's way. Sowing to please Him. Which of these represents the way that you want to live? You can read through the rest. There's a prayer uh, on the next page. If you turn the page, uh, number one, it says, talk to God. It turns into a prayer, what you've just read. And I'd encourage you, if you're investigating what it means to follow Christ, read through this. And this gives a great summary of what you need to believe and understand. So ask questions, dig into it, try to figure it out. It's kind of like if you're, you know, in... in in school when you're trying to figure out mathematics or something and you're just like, oh, I hate this stuff. I don't understand why in the world I have to be in this classroom trying to... And then you just decide one day, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I can figure it out. And you just set your mind to figure it out. Well, that's what you need to do about Christianity. If you're investigating God and what it means to follow him, set your heart to find him. That's one reason God's given us time. He's given us time so that we would set ourselves, our hearts, to find him, so that we might seek him and find him. And so I would encourage you, ask those questions, try to get your hands around what's going on, and ask God to show himself to you. But I give that to you. You can keep it. Uh, you can give it to someone else if you'd like. But that's a great picture of what the two ways that we can live. We, we decide once and for all to turn around from going our own way and accept what Jesus has done for us, and live his way, when we do that, when we admit our sin, turn from our rebellion to go God's way, and make Christ the ruler of our life, then God gives us eternal life. That's secure in the future. But he also wants us to begin then to sow to please the Spirit. And from that day, the day that we decide to follow Christ, till the day we die, we have a choice. And we tend to default into sowing to please the sinful nature. There's a current in like a river that's pulling us in that direction to sow to please the sinful nature. If we do, we reap rotten stuff. If we sow to please the Spirit, though, we reap eternal life. Life right here and now begins to change, and there's a, there's a, a sure solid foundation to it, and we begin to taste the good stuff that God intends for us in heaven. So Paul points out the law of the harvest to encourage us to use our, our days, our hours, our minutes, our, our moments to plant the things that are going to reap an eternal kind of life, the eternal quality of life right now that we've been promised to experience in the future. So knowing this, this, this is what's going on. This is reality. We should use today to plant the right things. That, that's the idea. This is how it relates to our time. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. <clears throat> Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially those who belong to the family of believers. You know, farmers are very time conscious. They're they're very aware of what time of year it is. They're, They're very conscious of when it's time to plant. And when it's time to plant, they get after it. They start planting. And they work long days, long hours, because they know if they don't plant the seeds now, they aren't going to reap the harvest when it's harvest time. That's the perspective of this law. That's the perspective in this passage. We have a real opportunity every day of our lives to plant the right things in our family relationships, our friendships, the effort at work or school that we're putting in, in ministry for spiritual growth. Every part of our life, we're to use it to do good, what God wants us to do, and plant the right things. So what this passage is saying, and the implication of the Law of the Harvest is this, there's a cumulative value in planting the right things over the long haul. There's this cumulative value to it. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'd like to show you a video clip uh, where a man is experiencing some angst about what life's all about. And I'd like to just watch it and then pull out of it Something I think you'll be able to identify with him. It's from up in the air. And uh, I think it will help you um, see how we deal with these kinds of things. Well, here it is. This is your chance. Hey, what's up, Ryan? Jim. You ever read this before? Yeah, it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, Kara mentioned that you were uh, having some thoughts. I don't think I'll be able to uh, to do this. And why would you say that today? Well, last night I was just kind of like laying in bed and I couldn't get to sleep. So I started thinking about the wedding and the ceremony and, and about how we're buying a house and, and moving in together and having a kid and then having another kid. And then Christmas and Thanksgiving and spring break and going to football games. And then all of a sudden they're graduating, they're getting jobs and they're getting married. And, you know, I'm a grandparent and then I'm retired. I'm losing my hair. I'm getting fat. And then the next thing you know, I'm dead. So I'm just like, I can't stop from thinking, what's the point? It's a good question. What's the point? He's running through his life, you know, disoriented. And we've all been there. We hit the points in our lives where we're a little disoriented. And we're at, what's the point? Galatians 6 just told us, doing the good that lies right in front of us. Doing good could be defined as what God wants in the situation I'm facing right now. That's, that's doing good. In in everything that matters in life, we need to understand that a faithful investment of small amounts of time can make a huge difference. And in every area of life, we, know, we can learn, we can understand what God wants. We can understand how he wants us to to treat the people in our lives, how he wants us to handle our work, how we should do the ministry that Eli's, he's given to us. In, in family life, a good marriage is made up of taking the time to have meaningful conversations. Carving out that time, making sure you have it. Taking the time to work through conflict rather than just let it happen and, and blow by. Taking the time to consider how to encourage. That takes thought, that takes time. It takes time to be around one another to encourage. As a parent, giving time to growing your relationships with your relationship with your kids um, is going to pay off in the long run. As a rule, about 15 to 30 minutes a day getting into their world is going to help. It's going to help you connect with them and build that relationship. Family dinners are important. You you, You can have a good discussion, just not, I mean, sometimes you have to miss them, sometimes things get garbled, but um, it's important to have regular time with the family so you can talk things out. For spiritual growth, 15 minutes a day with God, praying and reading the Bible, letting him speak to you, learning about how he looks at life, digging out some of these unbreakable laws. Boy, what a value over the long haul if you spend that time, little Amounts of time that you invest in getting to know God. Attending church consistently, it can shape your perspective about God and his ways. Uh, growth groups, we've, we're like on our third semester of growth groups. If you They're great because they, you, you get into them and you read a book together and you're sort of accountable because you don't want to show up to the group and not having read the book. And so it helps to have the accountability. It helps to discuss the things that you talk about. If you take the 8 to 12 weeks every semester that the opportunity presents itself, over time, you're going to have some good perspective under your belt that you can draw from as you live life, that you can go back to, that God, God will use that to help you make progress. Uh, this, is, this is true across the board, this value of small amounts of time, investing the time you have in the important things. It's true in, in terms of your health. Investing the time, you know, exercise, 30 minutes a day, three, three to five days a week, whatever it is. That really helps. In ministry, taking little segments of time to focus on what God wants you to do to, to help others. Either come to know Christ or grow in Him. Boy, you reap a harvest over the long haul. At the, at the same time, even though those small investments really help, One installment of anything isn't that helpful. Is it? Just one? I took one lesson in the coronet. Yeah, when I was about second or third grade, I decided I want to learn how to play an instrument. One lesson. I can barely make noise. I mean, if you ask me to play a song, I can't even play a note because I got sidetracked. I would have needed several lessons. You know, one installment of anything, one investment, one small investment, it doesn't help. But giving time to things on a consistent basis is extremely valuable. It really helps. Missing one workout isn't going to hurt you, but if you neglect exercise for a long time, you pay a price. This passage says you, you reap destruction. This is mild compared to some of the things you can get into and neglect if you're sowing to please the Spirit. Wasting time at work, it may not cost you the first couple of times, may not impact your productivity too much, the boss might not notice or whatever, but if you waste time over and over and over again, you're going to end up paying a price. In fact, there's also no value to the random things we opt for instead of doing the things that really matter. Think about that. if, the, if we choose to sleep in a couple extra hours. You know, we need enough sleep, but we don't need too much. But there's no value in too much sleep. There's no value in piddling on the Internet when you should be focusing on other things. Sorry to bring that up. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm really not. I did it intentionally. But there's no value in that. Whatever it is, the things that you're opting for over the important things, there's no value in giving your time to those things. Skipping a morning appointment with God isn't going to devastate you, but when you neglect over day after day after day, you neglect your time with Him, you're going to reap destruction. There have been points in my life and my marriage where I know my wife wanted to just say, here, here's the Bible, go read it. (laughs) Spend some time with God. She hasn't, thankfully, but she's wanted to, I know, because it straightens you out. If you get away from God... You skip that time with him, it's going to hurt. You're going to grow distant, and and you're not going to know him in the way that really brings his blessing on your life. Missing one church service every once in a while, not a big deal, but you make a habit of it, and you begin to lose the perspective that God brings as we get together like this. This is true in every area of our lives. We don't really pay immediately for neglecting the things that matter, but it's It's devastating in the long haul. That's why God put this in the Bible for us to read today. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. We can't get around this. Don't fool yourself. Don't be deceived. We reap what we sow. The best use of my time, this is the next point, is to take the opportunity to do the good I can right now. That's the best use of my time. And in every area of life there's something you need to there's a good you can do if you if you have work responsibility the the best thing you can do is get after that in, in ministry best thing you do is what you need to be doing there don't put it off take the opportunity to do the good to all people that you can do use the opportunity the opportunity to do good day in day out this is the way to build a good life this is the way to to reap the harvest that God wants us to experience. That word opportunity, and this was originally written in Greek, it's the word Chiron, which comes from the 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 word Kairos. It's 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 a the Greek word that means the right or opportune moment. So we take the opportunity, the right or opportune moment. Now Kairos was the Greek god of the fleeting moment. He had a weird haircut. He had, he had, coming down from his forehead, he had long hair in the front. In the back, he was completely bald. And the idea was, if you're going to grab opportunity, you have to grab it when it's in front of you, not after it's gone past, because there's nothing to get a hold of. It's too late. And this is how time works. The opportune time is not always con- convenient, but it is the time to sow the good that you can sow right now while we have the opportunity. Don't don't wait to sow the seed that's right in front of you. There there's a point in every arena of life where you can't recapture what you've lost. It's gone. You're not gonna be able to grab a hold of it. You 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 need to plant the right things. I need to plant the right things, making the investments of small amounts of time that will make a lot of difference in my relationships, spiritual life, and all the important areas of life. That, that's what we need to focus on. That's the perspective you get from the law of the harvest, that we need, there's a value to, to investing those small amounts of time, and there's a price you pay when you don't. I'm going to wrap up the message, and we're going to receive the offering in a few moments. Really glad that you've been here, and I'm very grateful for uh, just your generous giving that supports what we do here. I want to take the time uh, right now to consider what God might be saying to you. Where, where should you begin to make consistent investments of small amounts of time? As, as we've talked, maybe God's been speaking to you. I've given some next steps that you could possibly take. Uh, just some suggestions. First of all, you could memorize Galatians 6:7, just to remind yourself and allow God to speak to you through that verse that a man reaps what he sows. Secondly, maybe God's spoken to you about a specific relationship or responsibility, and you want to stop neglecting that and start making the investment. You want to start planting the right things in that. Third. Uh, Read through two ways to live and consider committing my life to follow Christ. That could be something you're thinking through, you're investigating. Read through it, get your questions answered. Or if you're at the point where you're ready to make that commitment, uh, your next step could be to commit your life to follow Christ for the very first time and receive the eternal life that God wants to begin to invade your present life here and now as you experience the good stuff by sowing to please His Spirit. Would you pray with me? As the band comes up, Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word, for your grace, for the love that you've shown in sending Jesus to die on the cross. Lord Jesus, we thank you for just the life that you've given, the grace that you've shown. And I pray that you'd help us to understand life from your perspective and make the investments in our everyday lives that will honor you, first of all, bring glory to you, and will allow us to reap the benefit, the blessing that you want us to experience in this life. God, give us power, help us with this. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.